sorry I don't love you A phrase I've grown accustomed to Cause with you something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back, as is Sean Gonzalez. Today we're going to be talking about Leia, Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray. But before we do that, I want to let you all know that today's show is brought to you by LootCrate.com. You can save 10% on any new subscription at TryLootCrate.com forward slash GeekdomPod. And you can enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% off on that new subscription. And I will tell you all a little bit more about Loot Crate later on in the episode. But right now, it's going to be all about Princess Leia. And Sean, you've come on to talk about Star Wars a couple of times now. Last time we talked about the Captain Phasma book, or just Phasma as it is called. But Claudia Gray has written quite a few Star Wars books in the new canon. And I've loved everything that I've read from her. Yes. So Claudia Gray, I'm pretty sure she wrote, obviously, the Princess or Leia, Princess of Alderaan. She also did Bloodlines, which was Leia's first book. And I'm pretty sure she wrote Lost Stars, yes. which was like the first major Star Wars book of the new canon. And it was critically acclaimed as one of the best Star Wars books and still is one of the top Star Wars books of this canon. So Gray has been unbelievable in character-driven novels. Yeah, and just for a quick overview on this novel, you know, it's technically a young adult novel, but I don't really care when it comes to Star Wars. I'll read all of the books pretty much, except for maybe, you know, some of the really, really basic kids' books. But young adult books are always welcome in my Star Wars reading repertoire here. And basically, Leia is a teenager. You know, she's 16 in this book, and you really see her developing into the Leia that we all know from the films. So it's just sort of this really great coming-of-age story for Princess Leia. Yeah, and so it's um, Princess Leia, before she's technically given the um, name Princess or the, like, official title. So it's also... It's her in this, like, not awkward, but kind of, like, not exactly socially inept. Um, And she's very, you know, of her own royalty, of her own, like, parents, and knowing her droid, and knowing her, like, high status. But then she starts to see people. And I think that was really well done in this book as well. So it is a coming-of-age story, but it's also, like, a coming of being a person, (laughs) almost I feel like for Princess Leia because she was you know lived in royalty her whole life yeah it's kind of like her being in high school without actually being in high school because you know you have this apprentice legislature and obviously spoilers just in case I mean I I feel like that's sort of a given with my podcast if we pick a specific topic to discuss but just in case you know go read the book and then come back and hit play again on this but you have the apprentice legislature and, you know, she meets all of these other people her age and, you know, they're all different species from different planets. And you really get, you know, sort of this sense that she really has to warm up to people. And, you know, basically we get all of the thoughts in her head about each person, which is really nice because you can see her thought process on the page when you're reading the book. And it's one of those things where 
you know, you can tell she's really trying to get a grasp on letting other people in, too. And I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, but I'm just going to go with Kier Damati. I don't know if that's yeah. right. <laughs> I think that's as close as I'm going to get. But he is the first person that Leia really opens up to. And, you know... There are some funny moments in this book, too, though, which I think is really important because you can't really have a story about a teenager and have it be like too super serious in this sense, especially, you know, when we know the person Leia becomes already. It's not too much of a surprise where she ends up. It's just more of a surprise on how she gets there. Yeah. And uh, so while I was reading this book, um, my favorite film and one of my favorite books is The Descendants. Um, the story with it has George Clooney and um, oh man, I don't think it's Emma Stone, but it's mainly George Clooney in the movie. But it's kind of this. So the ba- quick background, I'll, I'll explain why I think of that. But so this dad has just lost his wife to, and if she's in a coma and probably not coming out, so now he has to like become a parent and deal with his like teenage daughter who's kind of like a bitch and then his like younger daughter who's kind of like all over the place and wild and he has no clue what he's doing and so he's there's this one moment where he starts talking about like his daughter scotty and she has this like really idiotic boyfriend and she's and he's (laughs) just trying to figure out like why 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 do you like this person eventually he realizes that like that's who she can talk to and feel comfortable with while he has to figure out everything else and he shouldn't be so worried about it at least like i kind of like the kid I hate my daughters with them, but I get it. So to bring this to Leia, Leia's parents, you know, Bail Organa and Bail and Brea Organa are dealing with something else that's way out of perspective of anything Leia knows about. So Leia has to kind of redefine herself and start talking to other people to feel comfortable around them because she can't talk to her parents anymore. And yeah. so that was kind of where I saw that really big comparison. It's like, I totally understand why Leia is like this because it is kind of weird watching your parents like constantly feel like they're panicking or angry and you have no idea why like dude you're like royalty like what's really going on (laughs) besides like the emperor which everyone hates the emperor but it was just like why why is there why can't you talk to me what's going on so she has this kind of like inner panic and then she's like all right well i'm gonna prove to them that i can be an adult and then that backfires for a little bit and then she's like all right i need to figure out how to do this like the correct way so it's a really good book for that aspect absolutely and one of the main things i want to talk about with this book are the various relationships that leia has throughout the book you mentioned you know she sort of has this at the beginning of the book strained relationship with her parents because her parents are so busy that she's hardly getting to see them and you know it's like okay well you live in this big nice fancy place you'll be fine sort of thing you know but she really just wants to have this connection with her parents that she doesn't quite get until later in the book because she doesn't know at the beginning that her parents are part of the rebellion with Mon Mothma and she slowly starts to figure things out and that's part of what's really great about this book too is they let her figure these things out on her own without you know just being told 
exactly what is going on in you know a straightforward manner she has to go through all of these hoops to really find out what her parents are up to and why they're always at these dinner parties you know she thinks her mom's just being ridiculous and like oh planning another dinner party because why not and you right. know once she finds out the truth it's like she has a different understanding of who her parents really are and that's something that really builds up her character yeah, and while she also understands who her parents are, there's a really good growth of Leia from just wanting to be like her parents and be a senator and help people that are in need to understanding that she has a place in the rebellion that is forming. And so once she starts to cover the pieces together, you know, she kind of goes out of her way to be like, hey, you guys need to be paying attention. This is what's happening. And so then her parents start to realize like, oh my God, she is us. <laughs> so... Um, it was a very distinguishable growth for her to be like, I want to be like my parents. This is what I think they do. And then be like, I'm like my parents. I'm now in the rebellion. So it was a very, very well done growth, not only for Leia, but just in her journey of actually figuring out what the rebellion was, because that's exactly what she wanted to be was like her benevolent parents. And she winds up in the middle of it. Yeah, definitely. And you can tell she also has a different relationship with her mom and with her dad. And, you know, we know going into this that she's adopted. So it's not going to be a straightforward relationship with her parents necessarily either. But they did adopt her so young that really they are her true parents. Yeah. And it's it's really wonderful to see her connection with her mom and uh the standoff Bail Organa connection, which was great because then he even has those moments where he's just like, damn it, you're too smart. <laughs> like he, he didn't know what he was getting into after all these years of bringing her to the Senate and, you know, showing off, here's my daughter. And she's just like, I'm with my dad, but she's, she knows, she knows too much of the system. And I think that the systematic relationship she has with her dad helps her figure it out. But her emotional relationship with her mom kind of, makes it all come together even more because her mother went through the same trial she's going to on the thing called the day of demand, but her mother almost died from it. So there's a very different basis for how she talks to her mom versus how she talks to her dad. Yeah. Then you have it from their perspective too. You know, everything that they have ever done has been to try to protect Leia from everything that they are planning with the rebellion. And, you know, it's, understandable but because she's a teenager it's something that she's going to struggle with and she certainly does that in this book and you know while her relationship with her parents is certainly important it's actually not necessarily the most important one in this book because we see her grow i think a lot more from some of her other relationships in this book too and i think especially Amelyn Haldo, because I started the book before The Last Jedi came out. Okay. And I finished it about after the third time I'd seen the movie. So I went back and finished it. And I was sitting there and I was like, oh my gosh, Amelyn Haldo is freaking Haldo in The Last <laughs> yeah. Jedi. And I slapped myself and I was dying of laughter because the exact quote I read that put it all together was like Leia saying, well, Haldo's never going to be anyone that could do anything in a dire situation because she was just so wacky. And I was like, right. Wait a minute, the entire pod Last Jedi revolves around Haldo. So I think that relationship was 
the most interesting as it got towards the end of the book because Haldo is this whack job of a person and she like reads into stars and she does these kind of like um, air dances from like, um, I, don't, I don't know. There's a thing that people do with um, like bands from the ceiling and that's how I imagined it. But Haldo is just so out there and I didn't think that Haldo would be the one to again save Princess Leia. But she right. does at the end of the book by using these wacky stardust um, correlations between planets. But she's just someone that was very daring, even more daring than Leia. And I think Leia kind of like appreciated that. And then, but she also had to figure out her own way out of it. Whereas Haldo was like, well, like, okay, I got into this and I'm going to get out of it. <laughs> She's definitely the character who has the sort of hippie vibe to put it into sort of, you know, terms relating to our history basically and not a fictional one but it's one of those things where she's just like so free in her mind that you know she's not going to be talking about what the empire is doing all the time she's going to just live her life and if she can help take down the empire along the way then you know for her that's great and you know they're in a situation where they can't really say much about the empire because you know they are under their rule already and they have to be very very careful about what they say because you know for the apprentice legislature that is something for the empire it's not something for the rebellion or anything like that it's just something everyone sort of goes through and you can tell that Emmeline is just you know, she's not necessarily careless, but she makes it come across that way. And she's still smart enough to know exactly what she's doing. And I think that's what makes her character so appealing. And even though her and Leia were complete opposites, by the time, you know, you see The Last Jedi, you can tell that those two ladies have just been through so much. And whether it was apart or together, it certainly shaped who both of them became by you know by the end of that movie yeah and it's it was it was really well done um again claudia gray crushes it in building these characters and i'm so happy she did this book well after having also done bloodlines because there's always this like embarrassing part to being leia that i think claudia only captures because you know in bloodlines it's very much oh yeah everyone just found out that darth vader was my dad yeah And so for this, it's more like everyone knows who my parents are, but how can I represent them at the same time? And so even the things she does are completely embarrasses her parents. So like the first time she goes out um, on herself by herself to go help people that are in need, she actually goes to the planet Wobani, which is from Rogue One. And she sees this like prison camp and all these people are suffering. And so she misinterprets on purpose the law of the Imperials of like, oh yeah, well, they can only leave if they work for me. All right, I have a hundred spots on my ship for people to work. And so she just starts giving random jobs to people and she saves a ton, everyone that's in the most need. But then when she brings it back, her parents are disappointed. She's like, but I did something good. And it's like, well, we, we were trying to do that. Like, you can't just do that. So then the Imperial Code was going to get changed so that the law couldn't be misinterpreted again. So it's it's very well done. And I think only Grey has captured that. It's, it's such a burden to be Princess Leia. 
in both this book and in Bloodlines, and those are about 50 years apart. Yeah, and you have a new character in Amelin too, because her and Kier both really get their introductions in this book, if I'm not mistaken, because Kier is a character we've never seen before at all. And Holdo is one that she appears in The Last Jedi, but then, of course, that is the last we see of her as far as, you know, chronologically in the story. And so what Claudia Gray does really well is she gives Leia these very important relationships with two people that we're not entirely familiar with. And she just makes us so familiar with them by the end of the book. And, you know, with Kier especially, he plays such an important role in teaching Leia how to lose someone, but also teaching her how to not just be a princess. You know, she can have a personal life outside of being royalty. And he just really teaches her so many things. And, you know, it's funny because her mom even has a line in this book where she talks about, you know, basically being with a scoundrel. And obviously that alludes to Leia and Han later on down the line. But to see her have this relationship with someone like Kier first, who is loyal to the Empire, it's just such a contrast to you know, the relationship we saw with her and Han throughout all of the films. Right. And I think that exact line, her mom's like, it's rare for someone to find someone that's perfect for them, like at the first try. Right. And so the the book just makes you believe that it's going to work out. And, you know, Kira's intentions aren't necessarily shown, but he's there for everything that Leia needs, whether it's just listening in, sneaking around, or just being, you know, an emotional companion. Um they are each other's rocks and they really understood each other. But I definitely think that Kier almost had that imperial stigma to him where it's like, I'm going to make sure that I have my bases covered in case I need to make a step ahead or get us away from this. And that's how the end of the book comes with him following Leia and then finding the rebellion. But he kind of makes a mistake and next thing you know like Leia finds all this out and she can't even begin to formalize words it's so it's so gripping yeah well those are really the three main relationships that Leia is working through and working with throughout this book but before we go on and discuss the book in a more broad sense i want to let our listeners all know that for you the listeners of welcome to geekdom Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. You can enter promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. And what you get when you subscribe to Loot Crate is you get a monthly subscription box that has a bunch of geek and gamer items and pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you'll get six to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, and unique one of a kind items among other things. So, you know, there's a very broad range of items you can get in this and you have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, you've missed out on that box, so you just have to wait and see what the next one is going to be. And typically, it's not just one theme, they'll have multiple themes per box, so you're definitely getting a good variety of things in the box, but Again, that is to save 10% on any new subscription. 
you go to trylootcrate.com forward slash geekdompod and you enter the code bridge10 for the 10% savings. And thank you so much to Loot Crate for sponsoring this episode. Now, Sean, I just want to sort of discuss the book in a more broad sense because you have Leia doing a lot of things in this book. You know, she has her obligations for the day of demand, but you also have her sort of doing this charity work too. And she's going to these worlds she's probably not supposed to be going to because of, you know, the hold the Empire has over them. And she's sticking her nose where it doesn't belong. And it's just one of those moments where you really get this first glimpse of where Leia got a lot of her personality and characteristics from and how she operates with the rebellion down the line. Exactly. And I think the very first time she does that charity work on Wobani, when she completely throws aside the Empire's law and says, well, if they need to work for me, I'll give them jobs. Right. That's that's just something that felt so Leia and felt so right in comparison to um, any other character. And it also felt a little bit like Padme. Because, you know, Padme and Attack of the Clones, albeit however people like the, that movie, she has this kind of like will and standoffish and like, all right, let's do it. And same thing in The Phantom Menace. She's like, well, if we need to do it, let's get it done. And that's kind of how Leia is. Whereas you don't really see that a lot in Brea and Bale in the in this book per se where it's you're not really seeing what they're doing but you're seeing leia get it done right so it almost feels contradictory once leia starts figuring out like oh so they're doing something and if you just keep seeing leia figure it out and then you're just wondering like what's really happening so that's where i think claudia gray did such a great job in showcasing leia because leia is always like straightforward let's do it and everything else seems like secretive she has this sneaky brilliance to her. And I think that's what makes her character so great because we see it so early on, like you said, when she goes to the world and she just hires, like, I want to say 90 something people because they can max put a maximum of 100 people on the ship. So she just hires about 100 people to join her as her crew. And she you know, gives them roles that would make total sense. Like these are legit jobs. She is not just making up jobs on the fly. These are jobs that do exist. Whether or not she actually needs these people for these jobs is another story. But, you know, she executes it in such a way that, you know, they can't really do anything about it. And it would make them look very, very bad if they tried to stop her. Yeah, and that was uh that was part of the royalty clause was like, well, they're not going to stop me. I'm royalty. And that's even more funny once it comes to a new hope where she's like, this is a diplomatic vessel on an important mission from Alderaan and Vader's like, come on. I've seen this. I've seen this happen before. <laughs> so, it's it's interesting to see that character trope just continue on throughout and even with Han in Empire Strikes Back, where he's like, all right, your majesty, or he just makes up all these different words. It's just this really funny, um, like royalty to her that it doesn't really feel like it once you get through the book. Like you're like, oh, yeah, she just finished her duty. She's princess. We all know how that ends. <laughs> yeah, this book has a lot of supporting characters, too, who really add to the story. You know, you have a lot of the students that she's with other than Amelin and Kier, and they sort of just 
fill out the diversity in the Star Wars universe because you sort of get these descriptions of all of these different characters and you're like, okay, you know, this group might be very different than, you know, the humans for these reasons. And, you know, it's not even just a difference of race or anything like that in Star Wars because you have these full-on different species. So you have an even greater diversity in the stories. And then, you know, you also have Lieutenant Ress Baden, who is often accompanying Leia. And it's one of those things where, okay, you know, the lieutenant needs to not say specific things that should have been seen. So, you know, there's sort of this sense of secrecy between Leia and Lieutenant Ress Baden, too. Yeah. And, even Leia like picks up on that and like tries to nudge her about like, Oh, are we going to do anything exciting? Right. Like it's just this total Leia personality. And it's only something that Leia would really like get into. Um, And then the same thing happens when she goes to um, Naboo and she is trying to get work done and people are like, no, like you can't do it. And then she's like, but I need to do this. Like I brought all this mining gear for the miners who are not, like living comfortably. So then she goes and takes it up with the uh, moth there who happens to be an old character, Panaka. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's captain Panaka. And it was just, it's just very funny how that relationship is even formed. It's like, Oh, when were you born? <laughs> who adopted you? Yeah. Okay. This is interesting. So you can definitely see that there's some lineage from her mother um, there. Yeah, and I mentioned earlier that she's sort of sticking her nose where it doesn't necessarily belong, but she's able to cover it up and have a good reason for doing so. But then there are some unintentional moments, too, where she sees things that she wasn't supposed to. And that actually happens on her way back from Wobani when she has all of these people, you know, they pass through... Caldero Station, I believe it is. And, you know, she's seeing this thing going on that no one is really supposed to know about. And then, you know, they sort of find out that she was in the area at the time and it isn't going in her favor. Right. And so it just it all seems to go against her. And then it's it's even great when she randomly goes to Crate, which was the last Jedi planet as well. And then she sees her dad with a bunch of people that were ready to shoot her out of the sky. And she's like, well, this doesn't seem right. You're supposed to be a senator. So even that moment, it's like, well, she got into another situation she wasn't supposed to be in, but she ends up sticking with it and finding out more and more. And then she even brings it up to her parents once like, she finds out where they're hiding all the Republic feet. They're like, how do you know? It's like, if I know, like the Empire can figure it out. So like, let's move them. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to note that the Star Wars website actually has an article on 11 revelations from the book. So if anyone wants to sort of dive even deeper into spoilers, I will link to this in the show notes and everything. But it talks about all of the different talents that Leia has in one of the sections. And like I said, she is sort of sneaky with her brilliance because a lot of people just see her as this royalty figure. And she's even teased about it a bit when she first meets the other students for the apprentice legislature thing, whatever it's called. I forget. But 
when she meets all of the other students who she's going to be working with, you know, they tease her about this. And it's just one of those things where she is still going through all of the things a typical high school kid goes through, even though she is royalty. And you really do get a sense of everything Leia stands for throughout this book because of all of the different talents that she has. You know, she can do a bunch of different things and she's not sort of just this figure for Alderaan. Yeah. And that was uh definitely brought through in many of the Pathfinder scenes where there's even a Pathfinder scene where she makes a really great leap across an area and Claudia Gray writes it as if there's a hint the force is helping her feel that jump and the rock she's supposed to land on to get into her next stance. And that was so well done without being like, oh yeah, Princess Leia used force jump. It was just she felt something in her that she just knew it was going to feel right and she could know, she could see exactly where she was going to land. And that's something that's been well done in these new eras of books is bringing up the force. So even having that little gesture in there shows off like Leia had this kind of dormant ability and even Kira's like, how did you do that? She's like, I don't know. I just jumped. <laughs> yeah, and I know one of the big things with The Last Jedi was when they didn't kill off Leia and she sort of was able to find her way back to the ship using the Force, even though being out just floating in space, she should have been dead. And there wasn't really too much of a precedent for that level of Force ability from Leia in the previous movies. But the thing is, you know, the books just add so much to the stories of these characters in a way that maybe the movies don't have time to do because the movies are really telling a big story while they're still telling the smaller stories of specific characters. So they don't really get to go as in depth as a book like this does. You know, this is simply about Leia when she is a teenager. And Yes, there's a bigger picture in it being the start of the rebellion, really, but it's not a focus on the rebellion. It's strictly a focus on Leia as a person. Yeah, and it's even a slight focus on the continuation of seeing these novels touch on different characters. Like, this is like the sixth novel that's brought Tarkin into the forefront for a little bit. And Tarkin's just this, every time you read about him, you just, you see the face and the description's accurate like it's just this menacing tall broad-shouldered chisel face and every single time i get that like you know who's on screen you know who's gonna take it up and you know who's gonna be um trying to manipulate you and already figuring out things and by the end of the book like even just as tarkin's in maybe be six percent of the entire book but tarkin figured out about leia's connection to the rebellion in that six percent of time he was there so it's not only just these great characters, and even even Amlin Haldo is well done. It's just they have been doing a great job at connecting these characters throughout a major storyline. It's been really great for the storyboard group with Pablo Hidalgo to really lead these authors into correctly identifying these characters and then bridging gaps between them. Yeah, and even though the story group exists, 
the creators do get to put their own personality into things too, because, you know, Claudia Gray was able to write characters like Kier for the first time. It's, you know, his first and possibly only appearance considering we meet him and we lose him by the end of the book. And especially Leia, you know, even though we're the readers, it's like, it felt like a part of us lost something by the time that happened for Leia too. And I think, this book just does an excellent job of drawing you in very quickly and just taking you for this roller coaster ride. And I think that's what makes some of these new books with the canon really good. It's like the authors who get it really get it. And Claudia Gray is definitely one of those authors. And I think it's interesting, too, because so many people in the Star Wars movies want action, action, action. And half of these books have no action. Right. Like this book doesn't really have that much action. Um, Catalyst. The uh, Rogue One like prequel had not like nothing. It was all politics between like two, three characters. But to see these writers take the Star Wars timeline and the Star Wars characters and be like, all right, so let's build them as just everyday people and see how they would react to you know falling in love or you know kind of understanding how to accept everyone. Because with the pathfinding class, you know, there was an Athorian, there was that lizard, like, Zam guy, there was uh, obviously Kira and Leia who were normal, but then there's Amelin, who's technically almost like a human, but she's just so off kilter, <laughs> just hanging out. But it's also interesting to see Leia as a 16-year-old want to be a senator and is given, like, you know, this mock senate, and then she finds out that she's actually helping the Empire do horrible things in the mock senate. So you just kind of get to see these constant layers that have been built in these books come out and they don't have anything to do with like, you know, lightsaber battles or crazy starfighter dogfights. It's just these really tense moments because they're people and we're people. So we can build that idea in our head. Yeah. And I know we mentioned this a little earlier with Kier and him being loyal to the Empire. And, you know, at the end there, he's even telling Leia to you know, turn the information over to them. And it's one of those things where you really understand certain people in the Empire through his character, because not all of them want to be there. But a lot of them feel like they owe the Empire something because, you know, they are better off than a lot of people in the universe are because they've been taken in and they're part of the Empire and all of this. And it takes, you know, characters like Finn to really break free from that mold and fight against everything that the Empire stands for, even though there might be some good people within the Empire. And it's just one of those fine lines that I think they walk very well with Kier. Yeah. And it was it was definitely it was definitely devastating to after having read Rebel Rising by um oh man, Beth Beth Ravis for um she wrote the bu- book about Jin. But there was a kind of a similar way that Jin's like teenage young love passed away in that and so having read that i was like not again like they got me <laughs> um beth Revis wrote rebel rising but uh jen kind of goes through that same thing and there's just that like shell shock you know like it's almost random accidents like yeah kira was following leia but he drifted too close to something he didn't know was going to explode and that's just you know that's just you know not fun luck <laughs> 
Yeah. One thing I want to point out, too, is because we've talked about Phasma and now this, you know, both books are written by ladies. And it's one of those things where I feel like there's more diversity in the books right now than there is with the films because there was an, a recent announcement that some of the guys from Game of Thrones would be getting Star Wars films. And, you know, it's come up that it's just a bunch of white guys who get to, you know, produce or direct these, a bunch of white guys who get to direct these Star Wars movies. And, you know, yes, Kathleen Kennedy is the head of Lucasfilm right now. So, you know, there's diversity in that sense because, you know, she does oversee things, but she's not going to be there every single day that a movie is filming or something like that. And it's just sort of refreshing to get this perspective with the books, too, because, you know, you have these female characters written by female authors. So, you know, I feel like there's a better understanding of the characters just in that sense as well. Yeah, totally. And then, um, as so Beth, Beth Revis also wrote the Jen Urso book. So there's at least three um, really strong writers that have come in and taken characters, but they've also kept up their diversity by having people that have uh, done Star Wars before, like Timothy Zahn. And there's also right. E.K. Johnston for yeah. um, Ahsoka. So I think that they're doing a really good job at taking their characters that, you know, kind of not necessarily need that presence but just having someone write that as the character rather than you know like having someone else of a completely different like genre of film come in and try to write a star wars like book like these people have these characters and they trust them with these characters so that's been really cool too but it also has been great to see um the amount of strong female characters come around and the amount of strong very strong female writers portray them and i am really hoping after these trilogy or the sequel trilogy is done that we get a definitive novel from claudia gray about ray because i just feel like that connection is going to have to happen at some point yeah these novels too even though they aren't essential to understanding star wars if you just watch the films but it's one of those things where a book like this just adds so much to the story that you know for me it's so easy to get so engulfed in everything that they're doing with Star Wars right now because I like watching the movies. I watch Star Wars Rebels. I love reading and I'll read the comics too when I remember to catch up on them on Marvel Unlimited anyway. And it's just one of those things where personally for me, because I enjoy all of those mediums, it's so easy to just spend so much time on Star Wars content all the time. And, you know, when you suggested this book because it came out September 1st, 2017, you know, it took me a little while to get to it, but I had been reading a bunch of other Star Wars books, just constantly feeling like I'm catching up on everything that they put out. But when you suggested this, I knew right away that it would be something I would enjoy because I had read Lost Stars, I had read the Bloodlines book by Claudia Gray, and I knew she just really understood everything that Star Wars is about, and especially with a character like Leia. Yeah, and I think this and then obviously running into The Last Jedi um, are really good, not like final pieces, because there will probably be more comics covering different timelines. But I think this was, this really showcases, you know, the side of Leia we may not have ever gotten to see. 
And now that, you know, obviously Carrie Fisher has passed, it's really refreshing and it was really refreshing to get this book and finally take on like, you know, young, rebellious Leia. And it just is such a bold and great connection between all the mediums Leia has been in. And this was the one that's now officially going to start it off. And it's really great to finally have that full storyline. You know, how did she get here? All the movies in the original trilogy the sequel trilogy and what that's going to end like, but we have a good definitive closing arc now. Right. I also want to note too, that Kier is also from Alderaan. So he and Leia sort of have this even deeper connection that she doesn't get with everyone in this story because, you know, Amelyn Holdo is from Gatalenta. I don't know if I am even remotely pronouncing that right. I'm just pronouncing it how it looks. But, you know, that is a world where it's quite different and they are known for their tea. So <laughs> it fits that she's the character who is sort of more out there than the rest of them. And it's just, you know, a world that doesn't come up quite as often as ones like Alderaan or Naboo or some of these other planets that we're extremely familiar with because they've had such a history within the storytelling of Star Wars. Yeah, and I even like the small reference towards Crate because like a lot of people, you know, you could even be like, why is Crate in The Last Jedi? It's like, oh yeah, there was a rebel base there, a hidden rebel. And even like they mentioned that, it's like, there's an old rebel base there. Like, of course, Leia knows that. So it just makes total sense for these people to continue casting these planets into Star Wars. And they come up time and time again now. So I won't like we'll see if Gatalenta comes up. But having seen all these planets and then making the smaller connections to them has been really fun. Yeah, and I'm looking on the Wikipedia page for all things Star Wars here, and it does say that Gatalenta was one of the places that Luke first went when he started studying the Jedi Order. So they definitely have a history with the Jedi, but it's not one that comes up quite as often as, you know. Is that in is that in Heir to the Jedi? I'm not sure if you can see that source, but if that is, I'm going to go back, open that book and find it because I read Heir to the Jedi so long ago. But that's interesting. <laughs> I think this says it was actually mentioned in Bloodline. It wasn't, you know, a huge thing. I think it was just mentioned uh, in okay. passing because according to this page, it just shows it as a mention in Bloodline and a mention in this book. So it doesn't have a huge history as far as the storytelling goes, but it has a important history in the sense that Luke went there to learn about the history of the Jedi Order, which, you know, that is something that they could even explore further, too, because, you know, with the movies, we only see glimpses of Luke's training because, you know, we can't see him training, you know, this entire time. And the same happens in The Last Jedi with Rey. You know, we know she's training, but we don't need to see every single minute of it to get what happened. Right. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Luke now as well i mean every character is interesting in star wars but it's always it's always fun to see all these little references come up time and time again and it's 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 definitely hard to keep track of but yeah well is there anything else you want to talk about in regards to the book before we wrap things up here no i would just say read it and (laughs) amelin haldo became one of my favorite wacky characters after so 
Absolutely. Yeah, it definitely does a great job of just giving you a lot of background on her too, without having to spend too terribly much time on her character because this is a book about Leia. But, you know, since we do have a Star Wars movie coming up here, I do want to just get a little off track here. Are you going to go see Solo in theaters? I almost want to say I'm going to see Lando in theaters (laughs) as much as I'm between the production issues that I've read about and, you know, so I'll give you the reason why I really want to see it. Bradford Young is the cinematographer, and Bradford Young was also the cinematographer for Arrival. So having said that, Arrival is my favorite film of, like, all time right now. And so I know this Han Solo movie is going to look phenomenal, and I really don't have a problem with that. So I want to see it because I know it kind of has that gritty Rogue One feel to it. It has that dark aesthetic. It has those really powerful visuals. I'm just a little concerned of the potential storyline but i'm really excited to see lando and i'm really kind of excited to see how uh woody harrelson is involved in this because it's just woody harrelson that dude's just off the wall funny sometimes so yeah i'll probably go see it in theaters just because i have movie pass right now so it's kind of like well why not go see it when literally one ticket pays for movie pass in itself but i think star wars has become one of those things where I'll just sort of pay attention to whatever they're doing. And it's one of those things where I'd never really expected this to happen either. Like, as a kid, I wasn't into Star Wars. I didn't really pay attention to Star Wars. I probably had seen, you know, those first six movies at some point, but I had only seen them once. And now it's like I'm so immersed in everything because it's just insane the amount of world building that they have done. Well, world building is even an understatement. They have built an entire universe made up of many, many worlds. So it's just insane how far Star Wars has really come. Yeah, completely. Awesome. Well, you guys can find us on Twitter at Geekdom Pod, on Instagram, Welcome to Geekdom. We have a Facebook page. I will link to all of those in the show notes and everything like that. And if you want to support the podcast, all I ask is that you tell a friend about the show. You can rate and review it on iTunes if you want or if you listen in Overcast you can just hit that little star while you're listening and it'll recommend it to all of your Twitter followers so you know those are just some nice easy free ways to help support the podcast and if you would like to donate I have a Square Cash set up so it's not a specific amount or anything like that you can just donate if you feel so inclined to but it's not totally necessary. I do this podcast because I love doing it. And Sean, I just want to thank you so much for continuing to be a guest on the podcast. Thank you for always running it. I enjoy being here. Of course. And to our listeners, thank you all for listening.